0: Welcome to the Fully Engaged Fitness Podcast, where you'll be hearing from the top fitness experts from the engaged personal training community of businesses. These include client interviews and success stories, insights and tips from our top fitness experts, and the unique approach that we bring to our clients that have helped transform thousands of lives over the last 10 years in business. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast so that you can be the first one in the know. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Fully Engaged Podcast. I am Jeff Schumacher, your host today and co-founder of Engaged Personal Training. Uh, I'm joined today by Dr. Ariane Missimer. Uh, Thanks for hopping on and joining us today. So before we get rolling, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got into um, health and wellness, uh, your experience as a physical therapist and kind of what you're up to now?
1: Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you the quick version. <laughs> I've been in the the quick, but going back to when I was younger. So I started personal training actually when I was eighteen. Uh, I did fitness competitions, and at that time realized that there was a little bit more to health and wellness than just aesthetics. <laughs> so I ended up uh, really from there. My my brother had sadly passed away um, around that time, and I was finishing college. So I was going to school for nutrition. So I had opened up my own personal training studio, and I was doing nutrition and fitness and realized that everyone was coming into a fitness setting with pain and injury, so or they were coming from physical therapy and still had issues. So I kind of prompted me to go back to physical therapy school to get my doctorate. And from there, I worked as a physical therapist for quite some time, for eight years in an outpatient setting. And through that, really got very interested in the emotional and mental side of health Uh, from a graduate work in applied mindfulness, really started to dive into the vagus nerve and the nervous system. And uh, fast forward a little bit longer, I I was diagnosed with cancer. And after that, I'm happy to get into more details, but uh, that really is what sparked me to pursue my passion of helping the whole person and opening up the movement paradigm, which is an integrative health center to where I am now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super cool. And, and for those that can't see, cause this is a podcast behind you, you know, your, your, your sign is there and it says mindset. I can't see what the middle, the middle nutrition. world, is. nutrition and movement, <laughs> and it's movement. Just a, a holistic, you know, and, and full encompassing approach. And I think that's that's awesome. Obviously, like you said, you're, you're a physical therapist and and you had a specialty in in rehab. Um, but mindset it's obviously on the wall behind you. It's something you talk a lot about. You know, I wanted to invite you on to share some of the messaging about I- improving mindset. I think we hear a lot from our members on fighting, you know negative self-talk or kind of getting stuck in self-limiting beliefs. Um, with, with your experience, where, where does someone start, you know, when they want to set out on changing their mindset? Cause we know that you can't really tackle the health or, or body composition or fitness or whatever someone's goal is. If you if your head's not, not right. So where, where would you tell, you know, someone to start about changing their mindset?
1: Sure. So I think one of the first things I always try to help people understand is, their subconscious mind and their conscious mind. So, if we think of 99% of our mind is our subconscious and 1% is our conscious, if we decide that we want to work out 3 days a week or our goal is to lose 10 pounds, that is the conscious goal, that's the only the 1%. But in order to achieve that, you have to as you very well know, you have to do a lot of things to get to that point. So, you have to figure out when you're going to work out. How, you know, where are you going to work out? Who are you going to work out with? How can you progress into three days a week and not necessarily start off at three days a week? So ultimately your subconscious is your past experiences, your emotions, your thoughts, your behaviors. And so you're trying to get those in line with your conscious goal. So I think understanding that's really important uh, because having clarity on what your goal is and the process more importantly of getting there is the most important part so we're always thinking of the outcome and mm-hmm. if we can become more curious about the journey to get there i think people are way more successful
0: <laughs> i totally agree i think it, you nailed it the last piece that that process piece is like anyone that you know i think does find success in in adopting a new practice whether it be movement or something else is someone that falls in love with the process, yep. you know? Because without that, if you're solely focused on the result, like you said, like the processes can can sometimes be monotonous and, and repetitive. And if you don't yeah. love the process, you know, you're 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 going to be chasing that that goal forever. Um, right. So that, that's a, that's kind of a, a great point. Um, what, you know, with with that being said, I think a lot of people have this all or nothing approach where mm-hmm. if they're going to do something, they dive hundred percent in and inevitably burn themselves out pretty quickly. Uh, right. You know, any tips on, on uh, getting, you know, um, y- your mind shifted to uh, maybe starting slow when it comes to shifting your health.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think first is if we're, we're speaking specifically in this case about health goals and having clarity on, Potentially, what that ultimate goal is, but then reverse engineering it to understand. As I kind of use the example of the working out three days a week, here's another example. If we said, "Okay, I want to eat healthier," that's a really broad goal, so it's not super specific. There's no timeline, so there's no no urgency, and. Um, so to do that, what does that even really mean? So we have to think, okay, to eat healthier, does that mean to eat a certain amount of calories for one person? Does that mean to hit the macros? Does that mean to eat more vegetables? But to be able to do any of those things, you have to really think about if you were going to have one more vegetable a week or a day, you have to think about, is it going to be frozen? Is it going to be cooked? When am I going to prepare it? Um, when, what am I going to buy at the store? So you have to be able to break down that, you know, whatever it is that you're striving for to be, to make sure that you're able to successfully achieve it. And I think that's so important because, uh, you know, as we both know, working in the health field is that we're just thinking about the outcome and not necessarily about how you actually get there. So I try to, teach my patients to do that. But I also try to empower them to do that on their own Is like, Hey, okay. Yeah. I totally understand that you want to lose weight, but let's think about how we're going to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the, one of the books we t- we share with our members a lot is Atomic Habits. Yeah. And James Clear talks about the idea of habit stacking, which is yeah. like,
1: Love you know, I'm going to start,
0: Yeah, I'm going to start going to the gym where it's like, all right, let's break that down to, I'm going to set out my workout clothes on my bed for tomorrow, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and you just break down everything to, you know, I'm going to eat more vegetables. It's I'm going to add one vegetable at my lunch tomorrow or something like that. And and then you go from there and it kind of snowballs, you know, Mm -hmm. into, into something greater. So that's, that's, that's great advice. Um, let's just say someone, you know starts to starts to, to do that and they're they're taking over control of their health and they their habit stacking and they're doing these things and um you know we start to see progress and the the unfortunate thing about health and wellness is progress is not always linear right we right. hit these plateaus <laughs> and ruts and roadblocks and like or we or we fall back into old habits you know if someone gets finds themselves in a rut, you know, how how do you help people, you know, uh, take the next step when, when things start to get hard?
1: Mm -hmm. So I think (laughs) there's probably lots of different ways, but I think when, when that happens, think that a lot of times, whether that's the beginning of your your process or your journey, or it's when something like that happens and you revert back to old habits, is we go back to our comfort zone. And our comfort zone is, of course, meant to protect us. So our nervous system is saying, Hey, we're in fight or flight. We're, we're trying to protect you. So it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do um, because we're trying to move typically towards pleasure away from pain. So we're going to easily go back to, Hey, I'm going to just eat my pizza on Friday night. Cause it's been a rough week. Right. Or, oh, you know, I'm just going to sleep in tomorrow because, you know, it's just been, I'm just exhausted. So we're naturally going to do that. So it's really being able to identify that, I think, is always the first part, is being able to acknowledge that, oh, yes, I'm I'm going back. I'm reverting back to my comfort zone and being able to, because if you can acknowledge it and what's actually happening, it's going to make it much easier to shift back into that potentially fear, learning, and then ultimately growth zone. Um, but if you can acknowledge it, I think that's the first, you know, part of the issue is, mm-hmm. is you just keep falling back into those old habits. And we both know how easy it is to just completely revert back to. So I right. think if you can have that awareness of like, yeah, this is what happens. This is human behavior. We just need to acknowledge it, be aware. And then at that moment say, okay, yes, tonight I'm going to enjoy my pizza. Great. But tomorrow I'm going to wake up and go to the gym again.
0: Absolutely. A- acknowledging it and, and, you know calling it for what it is and, and being Call human. Yeah. Not putting so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. Right. right? Because There's- that's just not going to last
1: forever. Correct. And like giving yourself, I would say, give, give yourself grace. When people come in they're they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. And I'm like, it's okay. It's not a big deal. <laughs> right. You had ice cream. Who cares? Right. In the right. big scheme of things. So it, because it's a journey. And, and if you're really on the long-term path of it, it really doesn't matter if that happens once in a while. <laughs> doesn't matter if you miss two days at the gym. It's it's just the the consistency over time that's really gonna make you successful.
0: Right. It's you know, it's I think we talk with people on nutrition, they come in and they say, I'm going on vacation. Like, what should what should I do? Like simply do what you know, honestly. My recommendation is gonna be do whatever you want. And yeah. then when you come back from vacation get back into your routine the next day, not two weeks later, you know, or, or right. never, you know, which is, which is sometimes, sometimes what happens it's, you know, give set, set your, uh, set your boundaries so you know when you can break the rules and, and how to get back on, on track. Um, yeah.
1: And, you know, and just to add to that is thinking of, you know, for each person it's going to be a little different, but 80, 20 approach, 80 or 90, 10 approach, but where you feel it's it's okay, you're not beating yourself up. There's no judgment associated with good, bad, cheating, not cheating. I I really am. I feel so strongly about not using any of that language. So anytime mm-hmm. my my patients say that, I will correct them every single time to say no. Nope, like we're not going to use cheating because it's not. It's part of a lifestyle ultimately, and I think just shifting, which really kind of applies to all of this, is just shifting the language that you're speaking to yourself is perhaps one of the hardest things to do, but definitely one of the most important because we're so used to judging, 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 you know, what's right, what's wrong, instead of just being able to, you know, to to just shift our language to that we we're moving towards the things that we want to.
0: Absolutely. I don't think nothing is, you know, not, not many things are inherently bad for us, but we put mm-hmm. the stigma behind things and, and then it puts us, you know, down to a, a spiral. So that's a, that's a great point. It's like positive reframing and
1: yep. Yep. it's
0: a good strategy. I, I think I used that. I was talking to someone um, earlier who was a nutritionist for like picky eaters who are kids Mm-hmm. And, um, I was telling her, like, I use that positive reframing for the foods that my daughter eats. It's like yeah. not trying to call something a good food or a bad food. Um, yeah. cause I don't want, you know, that, that message to be something that she, she grabs onto, but just knowing that, you know, sometimes when it comes to whatever, you know, some things get us closer to, to where we want to be. And sometimes they don't, mm-hmm. but that's okay. If, if you, if you go for something that doesn't from time to time.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Um, you have those three words again behind you: mindset, movement, nutrition. Um, this is kind of a loaded question, but those are, are three big buckets when it comes to overall health. How would you incorporate those three things into, you know, someone's week? You know, if someone wants to practice mindfulness and and, and change their mindset, they want to have sound nutrition and they want to practice some kind of movement. How do you help people get started of of uh, putting the puzzle pieces together? into like an applicable plan for those three things?
1: Sure. So I will say it, of course, can look different for each person, obviously. Um, and I do really try to make sure that I'm in tune with where someone is in their journey and meeting them where they are. Um, with that said, for one person, uh, it could be in incorporating meditation, short meditations to develop a little bit more focus, attention, clarity on what their goals are, Um, but for someone else, it might be focusing more on nervous system regulation and helping them understand, you know, how to calm their nervous system down, bring themselves to a state of social engagement where they can be curious, they can be open, they can be grounded, um, because a lot of times we're always in that fight, flight, or free state, so unfortunately, if we're there all the time, we're never really going to be able to meet. Our goals, whatever they are. So that's, I would say, a really big part of, of everything, whether that's helping people with breath work, meditation, changing their language, you know, normally it's a little bit of, of all of those things or at some level. Uh the nutrition part it can again look a lot different for each person. Um, my approach to nutrition is always uh food, you know, food is medicine and really trying to incorporate a whole food. Lots of colors, lots of diversity, and improving the relationship with food, I think, is is such a big part. With that said, because I'm in functional medicine, I'm working with people that have lots of different health issues. And so a lot of times we're looking at the food as information is like, hey, how how are you responding to gluten? How are you responding to dairy? You know, how are these foods affecting your potential symptoms? So I'm looking at it through that lens as well. And then from the movement aspect, um, of course, I have my, my personal bias of movement. But um, for my patients, I'm really always trying to get them to move in a healthy way um, through an interoceptive approach, meaning they have this internal awareness of self. They're mindful in their movement, whether they're walking, they're strength training, they're rock climbing, doesn't really matter, just that they're intentional and they're purposeful in what they're doing
0: it's great is there is there a hierarchy of of this i mean if you, how do you how do you sh- i mean it's hard to to rank these things but is there one that you find you know this is this is where we start before we get into anything else or is there an order of operations to
1: this so i would say that of course the mindset is the first but with that said i i'm looking to find what's the safe point of entry for each person so if you and I were working together and and you felt like your nutrition was really dialed in and you were kind of ready to go but let's say you had an injury and you were really afraid to move like you're afraid to get back to lifting. Mm-hmm. So with you even though it still would be mindset, right? I would be I would be going I would be going in through the lens of movement because I'm going to be able to teach you how to move safely again, which is ultimately going to directly influence your nervous system. So it might just be different based on where someone is in their journey and, and what is the safest point of entry for, for Mm -hmm. me and for the, you know, whatever strategy we're using.
0: Right. And, and, and all, all three of these things impact one another. So, you know, (laughs) with nutrition, changing the way you eat and how you might, uh, improve your, your mindset, your mindset, your your, your sleep,
1: your energy. Yes.
0: Yeah. And movement typically. Mm-hmm. Um, movement typically impacts the way you eat, you know, if you, if you mm-hmm. start, start to exercise, maybe you start to, to eat cleaner and all these things, you know, everything starts to, again, kind of fall in line. If you tackle one of these things, you're just so closely exactly intertwined.
1: And they can, and I think that at least what I always try to do is make sure that it feels very attainable. So anything, for example, if it's I just, this was a patient this morning, I'm thinking of, so we, we were talking about her sleep habits. And and so she's trying to eat better, of course. So it was, okay, so we have this protein goal. So she's trying to work towards her protein goal right now. With that, that naturally cleans up her eating habits, which is awesome. Then we're working on just a couple sleep habits. So finding a ritual at night, wearing blue, lock, blue light blackers after seven. So that way... She's like, "Okay, I'm starting to improve sleep habits over time." And then movement-wise, I have encouraged her to start walking. She's got a lot of hormonal issues, insulin resistance. So, it could be really small things. They are all small, but all but every 2 weeks we're already making so much progress in in a forward trajectory. And I think everyone can do that. It doesn't have to be big things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where do where do people start when they when they when they work with you? I mean, if are they coming in you know, do patients typically come in with all oh, my, you know, like a traditional physical therapist? You know, where they come in with back pain, and you uncover all these these other things that could be affecting it, or do they kind of come in knowing that they're going to, you know, get uh, the the three um, pillars that you that you kind of preach?
1: I think the majority of our patients are coming in knowing they're getting okay. uh, you know functional medicine approach. However, there you know some people are just like hey I hurt my shoulder <laughs> and it's yeah. just you know just want to work on that. We don't have a lot of that cuz most people have had issues for a long time and they're really looking to get to the underlying causes of them and that's where if someone's had chronic low back pain for you know let's say 15 20 years It's not just a back issue at that point. There's inflammatory issues. There's definitely nervous system issues as it relates to chronic pain. So from that aspect, it's not just going to be here's these exercises. It's going to be really looking at the whole person to understand like, okay, let's unpack this a little bit. (laughs) Let's see when this started, how this started. You know, sometimes there could be trauma associated with it as well. So potentially referring in the right direction for that
0: yeah absolutely you've talked a lot about uh, nervous system state and mm-hmm. you talked about fight or flight and you know this is something that i like nerd out about i just gave a presentation on um, you know biohacking in different ways you can change from you know a sympathetic nervous state to a parasympathetic nervous state and, and you know yeah. a lot of people don't know what that means but um, you know it, it's it's hugely important right to regulate your nervous system and get out of that fight or flight that we so often find ourselves in. We just kind of constantly live there from, you know, uh, driving to being at work to everything. And it's just something you don't, don't even know about it. Uh, or don't even know you're, 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 you're in that state. Um, right. you talked about breathing and, and some mindfulness. I think we're trying to change mindset. Some people just think, I don't know how to do that. Do I, is yoga the only thing, or I don't like to meditate or, you know, there's, it's hard to really know um, different ways to change your mindset. We talked about breathing. What are some go-to practices that people can put in place to just focus on shifting themselves from that you know, sympathetic nervous state of being stressed and, and fight or flight to a more relaxed, rest, and digest parasympathetic nervous state?
1: Yeah, so there. So the first, as you said, but I'll just just kind of reinforce that is diaphragmatic breathing is perhaps one of the most basic things that we can do. And roughly five point five seconds in and five point five seconds out is a breath that will will in, ignite the parasympathetic response. It releases an acetyl acetylcholine, which is one of our neurotransmitters, and it can bring us to that balanced state. With that said, not everyone can breathe um, for five seconds in because they might have an airway dysfunction or airway issue. So it might be two seconds in and two seconds out. Could be three seconds in, three seconds out. So for all the listeners, you need to do what feels comfortable to you. And breathing doesn't always feel comfortable if you are super anxious. So you want to keep that in mind too. Um, It can also sometimes bring up triggering events when you come back to that still place. So overall, one of the best things to do, but definitely some considerations. Um, if you're feeling in that fight or flight, you feel a little stressed, you feel you know, kind of like running from a tiger, um, you can that that's a really good opportunity to do uh, grounding. So you can think about the heels, the toes connected to the ground. You can kind of really envision it, you know, press your toes into the ground to connect to the present moment. So think of using your senses, so that would be your sensory. Uh, proprioceptive in input, but you're connecting to the ground to be able to bring yourself back to the present moment. Because when we're stressed, we're either thinking about the past or the future. We're not really present. Um, you could also do things like looking at, like kind of identifying things in the room. So looking at colors, looking at objects, um, I have lots of vagus nerve exercises, vagus nerve hacks on my social media. So anybody can jump on there. Um, I have lots of, lots of exercises, but we this is obviously audio. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: so what, what's the function? What is the function of the vagus nerve for our, our, our listeners to talk about vagus nerve exercise? What's the importance yep. of that? What is that control? How can we manipulate that, that nerve?
1: Yep. So the vagus nerve is 80% of the parasympathetic nervous system. So essentially it is. The key aspect of our parasympathetic nervous system and it run, it actually is coming from our brain stem. So it's one, it's a pair of cranial nerves that has branches into the throat. It has branches into the ear, into the lung, into the heart, the SA node of the heart, esophagus, and the entire GI tract. So of the information actually goes from the gut, from our viscera up to the brain. So if we think about our gut-brain connection, one of the key pathways is the vagus nerve. So the nervous system pathway is the vagus nerve. So it is so powerful in being able to regulate our nervous system. So when we say that, regulate our nervous system, we're kind of thinking of how can we bring ourselves back to that resilient zone? So we could be bumped out of it into a hyper arousal state or into like bumped out of it into a like kind of depressed hypo arousal state. We can think about tapping into if you will the vagus nerve to bring us back to that state and that could be as simple as breathing so using that as our example the vagus nerve passes right through the diaphragm so as we're diaphragmatically breathing we're stimulating the vagus nerve which is bringing us back to that state
0: yeah that's that's awesome and and regulating is is great because once you're able to um Take to kind of manipulate your nervous system and 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 up upregulated. You can use these things to your advantage. You know, actually, if you can take control of yourself and get yourself out of a stress state, well, there are times when you actually want to be in that stress yeah, state. You performance. know, performance, yeah, right. Training and working out. I'm going to deadlift. Yeah. Like I'm not diaphragmatic breathing before my uh, before my deadlift.
1: I don't know. Uh, I am Jeff. I'm are <laughs> you calming myself down there? <laughs>
0: Yeah. But like, sometimes we want to be fight or flight and then you can say, all right, this is over now. Let me shift, you know, back into where I need to be. But tapping in is like, let's tap into this stress because, you know, we're going to put our body under stress. We need to be in a position where we can um, handle it. And then when we don't need to, we get out of it, you know, and, and, um, you know, timing, this stuff is, diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing or grounding. It's not something you have to do all day long, but you just get it where you need it, you know, and maybe after a workout as you need it or before bed or, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever, you know, these times that you feel yourself stressed and and you do something like box breathing, you know, which is kind of what you were saying before. And it just, you know, it's, it's almost like a performance enhancing. Yeah. Yeah. Change your state.
1: Yeah, it's performance enhancing drugs <laughs> for yeah, sure.
0: breathing yeah they're breathing yeah
1: totally totally yeah, so
0: diaphragmatic breathing do you want to touch on that a little bit because sure. I don't I don't know obviously we speak that language to people all the time where it's like you you haven't taken a real breath you know everything is chest everything is chest you're yeah. getting no movement in your belly and in your diaphragm what's important about diaphragmatic breathing and how do people know if they're doing it
1: Yeah. So we, so the important thing to remember is we breathe 20 to 25,000 times a day. So it's the thing that we do the most of, but oftentimes, as you said, we're not breathing efficiently. So if you're a, a proper breath would be our tongue position is resting on the top of the mouth on the roof of the mouth, gently touching the top teeth. We're breathing in through the nose. And as we breathe in through the nose, the abdomen is expanding 360 degrees. So, front, side of the rib cage, and the back of the rib cage. The breath should go all the way down to the pelvis. So, it should feel like we're getting all that pressure that's building up that reaches all the way down to the pelvic floor. And then, when we exhale, the belly button goes in towards the spine, the ribs come down, the abdomen contracts. So that's a normal, healthy breath. We might not always be breathing that deeply, of course, uh, but that still should be the pattern of breath that we're doing for everything. So even if we're switching it to a power breath, you know, depending on if we're deadlifting or kettlebell swing, it it might shift, but the foundation is still the diaphragmatic breath. With that said, there's a lot of people that have airway issues. So Mm. Um, sometimes you could keep trying and keep trying. And if it feels like it's just not getting better, you keep feeling like you're breathing from the neck and shoulders. It may be worth getting an airway evaluation. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, and another, I, Talked about this this talk I gave on biohacking and one of the things I shared was mouth taping at night, taping yep. your mouth shut so that I
1: do it every night.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so do I, and it's like awesome. you know if people don't know that you kind of look you kind of look crazy. Yeah. I had to tell my wife before I was doing this, like, hey, I'm gonna do an experiment on myself. If you wake up, I have not been taken hostage. I am just trying to <laughs> For force my myself <laughs> to do nasal nasal breathing, but. Um, I did this yesterday. I did like a recovery workout and I was on the rower and I did nasal only breathing. Nice. It was like, all right, today's a recovery day. One way I can make sure I'm getting the most out of this is only do nasal breathing. And that's nice. something, a strategy worth sharing with people is if you're going on a walk, try yeah. your best to only breathe into your nose. This restorative walk is going to be great for your mental, but also by controlling your uh, breathing, you're going to change, you know, your physiological, physiological state.
1: state. So, yep.
0: I mean, we could, we could probably talk uh, for an hour on breathing alone. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And definitely. actually
1: I have, um, which I will send you afterwards. I did a, yeah. an ebook on breathing as your superpower. Cool. So I will send that to you and you could send that to everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. We, um, all right let's kind of you know put put a a, a bow on this I ask people at the end of this some some questions that are totally outside the outside the realm of of uh what we've been talking about but if, if you you know you're driving to work you're working out you're walking are you listening to a podcast or are you listening to music
1: ah uh, both
0: <laughs> okay all right both
1: um both yeah I I kind of go back and forth depending on my mood
0: <laughs> any any podcasts you recommend?
1: I love Gab- Dr. Gabrielle Lyons. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of my one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Our, our members would love that because we advocate for a lot of protein, and that is her.
1: Yes, that's yeah. her stance. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, what are you? What about what about reading? Are you a big? Are you a big reader?
1: Audiobooks. Audiobooks.
0: All right. Cool. <laughs> I should ask that. Podcasts, music. Well, it's, it's audiobooks. Yep. yep. Anything audiobooks. you're consuming right now?
1: Right now, I am listening to uh, Body Aware, which is a great, great, great book. Uh, Erica, I think her last name starts with an H. I can't think of it right this second. Um, but it's a really, really good book for anybody that is interested in understanding their mind-body connection a little bit more and on a deeper level. Really cool. good. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's awesome have to check that out. Um, any TV recommendations or anything? uh that you did you watch this is again TV. some people say say no all I do is read and listen to podcasts but yeah <laughs> what when you so you're not reading and
1: I'm not read. a huge tv person we do we do occasionally binge watch and we're watching a crazy the you did you watch that? okay
0: uh it's, yes yes it's
1: nuts so I yes. can't even like I can't even believe that I'm I, like now we're in like season four and I'm like why am I even watching this
0: people love so. it it's been like on the top 10 for forever
1: I know it's kind of crazy, but normally I don't watch very much TV, but right this second I am watching that. All
0: right. Well, people will have people check that out. So we'll kind of finish. Where do, where do people find out more about you? All the great things you're doing, obviously you're close to everyone listening to this. How do we consume your content? How do we, how do we work with you?
1: Yeah. So, um, on social media, it's the movement paradigm. So I post pretty much daily, um, on different things, mindset, nutrition, movement related, um, so you can definitely follow me there. And then if anybody is ever interested in a discovery session, you can reach out to the movementparadigm.com. If you are interested in more specific services, we could always see if it's a good fit for you.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing this stuff today. It was, it was great.
1: Thank you so much for having me.